does the work I'm producing align with my personal vision for my life? Is what I produce impacting the kind of people that I want to impact now and into the future? Welcome back to Find Your Magic, the podcast where entrepreneurship and mental health meet. And we are really emphasizing heavily the mental health aspect of this in tandem with building a business with my incredible guest, Abigail Pumphrey, who is the founder and CEO of The Boss Project. She's also the host of a chart-topping podcast called The Strategy Hour, and I specifically wanted Abigail on the podcast because her whole focus is doing away with flashy marketing in favor of sustainable marketing, specifically for smaller creative service providers. So really, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of what that looks like hiring people, growing? What does actual growth look like for you? What is a good pace of growth for you? How do you even begin to start this growth thing that everybody seems to be talking about? And before we get into the conversation with Abigail, I do have a very exciting announcement for this community. If you have been following me for any length of time, you probably have heard of my signature program, Copy Class. If you haven't, Copy Class is a digital course and group coaching program that helps entrepreneurs learn how to write their own high converting copy without sounding salesy or feeling gross. And my whole thing is that I Don't want your brain to hurt every time you sit down to write something for your business. I want you to learn the most important basics of building a brand voice that actually sounds like you, but that also makes sales. I'm going to teach you the basics of copywriting. I'm not trying to turn you into a professional copywriter by any means. I just want you to understand how a professional copywriter thinks So that when you sit down to write something like a social media caption or an email to your list, you've already got like the basics of the skills to know how to turn someone from a reader into a buyer or a reader into a follower or someone who just was going to scroll on by, but then you caught their eye and you've turned them into a fan. We are also really um, action oriented in copy class. I show you how to write a website step-by-step. I show you how to create an email marketing plan complete with an actual template that usually costs a couple hundred bucks and it's included in copy class. There's so much good stuff inside this program. You can either do it self-paced or you can follow along with us as we release a module every week in October. And there are group coaching calls every single week where we go over that week's content. And also you can bring your copy to these calls and I will edit it live. You can do what's called, or you rather you can see what I call over the shoulder writing. So I will take someone's actual like website project. 
I will edit it in real time and you can see my screen and I will explain to you, this is why I'm changing this sentence. This is what a value proposition is. This is where it should go on the page. This is how often you should have call to action buttons. Basically, it's the program that I wish I had had when I started out in business. It is only the most important, most helpful stuff. It is designed for non-writers. Again, I'm not trying to turn you into a professional copywriter, though I have had professional copywriters take it. The goal is for you to feel super confident every single time you sit down to write something for your business, you know it is going to convert people into buyers. Okay, with that, please welcome Abigail Pumphrey, the CEO and the founder of The Boss Project. I uh, want to just give you a little bit of a background on her. So she started back in 2015 with a business partner, and they started as an agency, like a branding and a marketing agency. And they realized that they had all this knowledge. And instead of just doing it for people, they started teaching people how to do it. Sounds familiar to me. And what they essentially did was they created this system for their client experience where they were teaching while doing And they turned it into a new business, the Boss Project. So what they do is they've totally revitalized how like the operations kind of side of the service-based industry by giving people strategies that don't require flashy, expensive marketing and like ads and stuff. And it doesn't require a huge audience and it doesn't require full-time hours. We're very, very focused in this conversation about how to... Build a life-first business. Your business should fit into your life and not the other way around. So with that, please welcome Abigail Pumphrey. Abigail, welcome to Find Your Magic. I am really excited to talk to you today. And I also feel like I'm going to have to rein myself in because I have your one sheet up here and there's so much on there that I want to talk about. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a challenge for me to not be a little ping pong ball over all your fields of expertise. So, thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to tell you all the things and not hold back. <laughs> so, I'm not a secret keeper. Oh, I love that. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty, can you tell us a little bit about your company, The Boss Project? Yeah. So, Boss Project has been in existence for eight years. Um, It initially started as my branding and marketing boutique, and I took on a business partner early in my career. We built a ton of education and course materials and essentially was taking everything we were learning by building an agency and turning around and teaching everything we knew about sales and marketing and growing your business and the behind the scenes operations. That has been our primary focus for the last eight years. My partner recently uh, left to pursue her passion for writing and she is writing her own novel right now. Um, But I am really excited to be taking on this new chapter in Boss Project's history. And our mission and vision is really focused around helping more women Um, and femme founders reach financial freedom. And I only believe that's possible if 
Um, if you're a business owner who is specifically focused on both financial stability and in someone who is really reaching to make sure that their life is accommodated by the business that they're building. Um, and it's more about your business fitting around the life that you want and less about fitting your life into the nooks and crannies around your business than anything else for me. And so in the last eight years, we've helped 16,000 plus small businesses uh, grow and build online and see more and more reach that sustainable financial future that they're looking for. That's incredible. Congratulations. That's amazing. And like, what an amazing thing to be able to say that you've done. I mean, the ripple effects of that are so incredible to think about. And I really love, I want to talk about this. It's like a chicken and an egg thing. And a lot of people don't believe me when I say that you'll actually be more successful more quickly if you build a life first business. A hundred percent. So many people are like, no, no, like I have to, I have to like be this, I don't know what it is. Like they think that they have to have this very hustly, very businessy, very, um, I just, it's icky. It's early for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think the grind that you're kind of referring to, um, it can work for a lot of people, but it is very unsustainable in the long term of your business. Yes. It is you're way more likely to reach burnout. You're way more likely to get so frustrated you close your business. You're way more likely to take on more clients than your capacity allows you to handle and ultimately provide a service that's less than the quality you're capable of. I've seen it shutter doors. I've seen it send people to the hospital for their own mental health or physical ailments that come up as a result of not taking care of themselves. Now, that being said, I do think there's a level of work and like dedication that's required, especially in those early years. But keeping in mind who you are as a whole person all along the way is really essential. And I do do believe part of it is letting go of that sense of urgency and mm-hmm. reaching those dreams. Um, yes. Could you get there faster if you worked harder? Maybe a little bit, but there is like return, you know, you have to think about the cost benefit. And at some point, it's not a straight line up anymore. Like you're going to stop getting as much return and it's on a bell curve. So you you have to kind of know what your max input is for your max mm-hmm. output. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may grow and change in various seasons of your life. In some seasons, you may have more capacity mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever, to take on more in your business. Um, in other seasons, you may have other priorities and or things that are stealing your time, attention, yeah. and well-being, and you need to prioritize those. So um, I, I definitely think it's important. Absolutely. And I love what you said that there are going to be different seasons. There are going to be different times where certain things are going to take your attention and need your attention, right? In your life. And I think my point is ignoring that because you think that your business is supposed to look a certain way is a surefire recipe for burnout, as you said, and shutting your doors. I mean, what's the statistic about how many small businesses fail or close within the first six months, certainly one year? 
so much of it is because we don't set ourselves up for success based on who we already are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that also can be seen in marketing. You know, I nerd out over copy more than anything else. And when I see someone confidently speaking the way that they speak in normal life at a pace that they speak in normal life, I am so attracted to that person's business, even if it's not something I need versus someone who's just like, sell, 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 sell. Like that desperation comes through in your business because you yourself as a human being are feeling desperate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think your the energy you put out is definitely reflective in the work that you produce. And so if it's, I want more, you know, that's definitely going to showcase. I do think there's a way to want more and like desire growth and want more clients and do so in a way that feels super authentic. But as you said, knowing your capacity, right? That's the key. Like absolutely scale, grow. Like we're going to talk about scaling today, which is a really interesting topic to me and something I sort of struggled with figuring out how to do once I'd hit a plateau in my business. So absolutely wanting more is, is wonderful. It's wanting more than you are capable of giving Mm -hmm. or, or the capacity that you alone have without setting yourself up with either systems or a team, something that can support that growth in the first place. I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, I I definitely think it takes time to reflect on what's necessary. And a lot of the reason people tend to go too far too fast or too hard too fast is because they they don't have that self-reflection yet, that Mm -hmm. they don't know what their boundaries look like. They often have to test them, break them, get frustrated by them to really (laughs) learn where they stand. And so I think that level of self-awareness is essential for your growth, but it's not necessarily something you come with out of the box. Like I know Mm. very few people that are self-aware by nature, like that's something you have to work on. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Self-awareness. What are some questions that people who that doesn't come to naturally can ask themselves? How am I feeling in this moment? Does the work I'm producing align with my personal vision for my life? Is what I produce impacting the kind of people that I want to impact now and into the future? Mm -hmm. How do I want to show up? What do I not want to do to get there? Ooh, that's a really good one. What do I not want to do to get there? I'm going to sit with that question after this interview is over. (laughs) That's fantastic. So One of the things that I don't want to do that, again, I'm looking at our topics that we could potentially speak on today is I never again want to have too many offers. Um, I love that you call it the cheesecake factory menu of offers. It's that's so funny and it hits so real. It takes me right back to my 18th birthday party when I was so excited to go to the cheesecake factory and get avocado egg rolls. I was all about it. Why does the menu? Why is the menu so big and everyone orders that dish? Right. I know. I would love sidebar. I would love like a data driven report on 
how often people order all the various things in Cheesecake Factory and like by demographic, right? Like (laughs) the West versus the Midwest versus the South versus Northeast. Like what are people ordering? And like, do people ever order things? Do they even have this sauce or is it just there? (laughs) You know, Is it just on the menu for sure? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, and sometimes that happens in online businesses. 100%. Right? You're like, oh, wait, did I say that I did social media marketing? Shoot. (laughs) I know. I know. I think early on in business, part of it is not really knowing what you want your business to look like long-term. And even if you've been doing this kind of work in a corporate job or in an outside employment opportunity, doing it for yourself is generally very different because no longer are you just fulfilling on the deliverable or providing the skill set required to do the thing, but you Mm -hmm. also have to maintain all the project management, account management, back-end operations, financial support, like I could go on and on, that it requires to build that kind of business. Mm -hmm. And some people are simply not going to know that they prefer retainer clients until they have five one-off projects and they say, I can't keep doing this. Like they want the repetition. Other people are going to have the exact opposite reaction. And -hmm. they're like, if I have to do the same thing for the same five clients for the next two years, I'm going to go crazy. But you don't necessarily know that unless you're completely doing every aspect of fulfillment on your own. Mm. Um, And so I think part of what I want to let go is like, you do not have to know what you want your business to look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, especially when you're starting out. I think when you get five or 10 years into business, having further future planning is A, more attainable and B, a more reasonable thing to be working on. But early on, you need some level of experimentation to know and understand how you want to show up, know and understand what you're great at. Um, And so I think it's okay to dabble in a lot very quickly, but you need to hone in and you need to make some decisions about where your focus is within the first nine to 12 months. Mm, Um, I love that. Making decisions about where your focus is. And part of that, would you say part of that is also branding? Like, I think a lot of questions that I had about myself and how I wanted to show up was answered when I built a brand Mm -hmm. for the first time. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I want to appear? How do I want people to feel when they interact with Mm -hmm. my site or my social media? Um, I don't want them to be like, whoa, that's the girl. Like when they talk to me on an interview or something, I don't want them to be like, oh, this is not how it seemed like she would be on her website. Talk us through, because I know branding is such a, a amazing part of what you offer and how you guide people. Talk us yeah. through maybe some of those initial branding questions that might get people on that path. Yeah. So for a little context, my original background is in design. Um, And so I spent a good portion of my career being an in-house designer in various capacities. And so when I started my business and was starting to do branding for clients, my initial focus was definitely primarily on how it visually looked. As I've grown as a person and in my skill set, I definitely think branding is 
a much more holistic experience that encompasses not just how you present yourself visually, but also the tone and personality that you put out into the world, especially when it comes to coffee. Um, Huzzah. I know. (laughs) He's like, my point is proven. (laughs) Um, No, so in terms of where to start, Early on, your brand is almost undoubtedly reflective of your personal taste, your personal desires, your personal vision, how you would put yourself out into the world. Um, The mistake I see people making is typically when they start to own their own business, there's some sort of like rebirth that they're after, like this redeciding who they are and who Mm. they want to be and who they want to become. And so I see a lot of people attempt to take on a mask almost of who they think they're supposed to be to get the kind of result they're after or who they think their ideal client might like, even if it's not totally in alignment with who they really are. And if it's just you early on, that can create a huge mismatch of like, you put out one thing, but then they come to the meeting and then they're confused by the way you're showing up or talking or presenting yourself. Um, It also can attract like wrong fit clients who aren't necessarily going to know or understand where you're coming from. And so I think it's really critical early on that your brand is reflective of you as a person. And so visually, it might look a lot like your home. It might look a lot like your personal style and taste or your Pinterest boards of things you've been collecting for years. It might be the things you've saved on Instagram. But it shouldn't necessarily be the aspirational version of you. It should be who you really are when you're being your full self. Um, And giving yourself permission to present yourself in that way is not only freeing, but is so much more comfortable long-term than trying to be an alternative version. Now, as you grow and scale, or perhaps move away from a personal brand into some sort of company brand, you do have to make some intentional decisions about how the brand might alter or be different from your personal preferences, ego, personality, whatever. And I think there is a shift at some point in business where you can begin to more heavily define what your culture should look like. And there might be areas where it is very reflective of where you've been and how you've been showing up, but it also might be pushing you to let go of some things or lean into some things that you tend to be a bit more resistant to, but are still things you want for yourself and you want for your company. And I don't necessarily think there's a right time or right place to make that shift. But for sure, Mm -hmm. if you're hiring staff, it's something I would be thinking about heavily. That's actually a really good mile marker. I really want to call that out of when you are getting to a capacity where you're needing to bring on team members to take over. I always say, bring on team members to take over the things you hate to do the most first. Mm -hmm. And then once you start to do that, they need to know how to represent the brand, right? So that is a really great moment and opportunity to start to have some clarity and to 
really put together, I actually put together an actual brand guide with like, Mm -hmm. these are not only our colors and fonts and here's some pictures, but also like, here's a few taglines. Here's how we talk about courses. Um, And it really gave me a lot of clarity because I realized that I was sort of, even as a copywriter coming out into the world being like, verbal vomit. This is what I do. This is all the stuff that I offer versus like, these are my three offers. This is how I talk about them. Which would you like to know more about? You know, I think in terms of the way I would personally tackle that is I think before you hire, you really have to get clear on your mission, vision, and values so that you Mm -hmm. can have a really strong foundation for A, the kind of person you want to hire. Like, how are you going to know they're a culture fit if you haven't defined what the culture looks like? Yeah. Um, But once they're in the door, I think there's a lot of releasing that needs to be done. So many people try to hold on to so many aspects of what their business is and what it looks like now and to the future. And I think giving people opportunities to be part of that story are really essential. And so when we made hires a couple of years ago, Part of that was bringing on a designer that ultimately became the lead designer and now our program manager. And she redesigned what our brand looked like from top to bottom. And it is Mm -hmm. not what I would have done personally as a designer, but is reflective of the mesh of personalities and types of people and our audience members that is representative of the overall. But it's interesting because because she led the charge for what that would look like, there's a lot of things that may have not been my initial choice, but I've been so intentionally immersed in the culture that we've built and the brand that we've defined that even some aspects of my personal style have shifted and evolved alongside of it. And Mm. so you might've seen me in hot pink and bright lipstick five years ago, but now you're way more likely to catch me in my neutral era. (laughs) I love it. But I love that though. And it's a really good point. Like being open to evolving. I see a lot of people kind of get stuck in Um, branding for branding's sake versus letting themselves evolve. Um, I certainly had to have a gut check about that a couple of times for sure. And um, that's natural. We're human beings. We evolve, we grow, we get older, wiser, the things we, we teach different things, right? We, as we scale as humans, we scale and change in our business, right? So let's talk about, because we're kind of talking about scaling already, right? Like up-leveling your brand, hiring people. Let's intentionally talk about scaling. How might someone who has a small business or is an entrepreneur and it's kind of just been them for a while, how does one know when it's time to scale? What does scaling even mean? Let's just level set that. And what are some tips that you might give to somebody who is looking to actually start to truly scale their business from maybe a side hustle to a full-time thing or who's plateaued and they're looking for that next level? Yeah. So I think we have to first define the difference between growth and scale. Yes, please. Growth is really about alignment of 
your personal desires to grow the business primarily in revenue. Um, and while that typically accompanies personal growth, professional growth, and other areas of growth, when we talk about growth, we're typically referring to growing top line revenue and ultimately, hopefully, profit on the other side of that. And when we're talking about scaling, I think scaling tends to be a bit misrepresented. Scaling is actually specifically talking about the structure of your organization. And so when you're looking at a building and say you're an architect, a scale drawing would be all of the parts and pieces that make this business work and are functional. And so when you're talking about scaling, it's way more about operation management and people management. And at that point, typically hiring a team and utilizing that as a catalyst for future growth. But in a growth phase, you know, I want to see people go from startup to getting to the point that they are personally financially secure. It may not be at the point that their business is where they want it to be financially more long-term or like those stretch goals, but they should be able to make a full-time income without the need for any additional outside help. Mm. And could you potentially hire a VA slightly ahead of um hitting that. Yeah, but it's it's typically unnecessary. You can. And I think depending on where you are in your life, that may be something you prioritize sooner than others. Um, but I definitely think you can get there alone. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it tends to be when you get to a point that you're making consistent cash, like in the neighborhood of five to ten thousand dollars a month. It's critical that we really revisit your offers and how they're priced. And so mm. in our incubator program, we really spend a lot of time helping make sure that people are priced for them to continually reach their personal financial goals, but also providing the alignment and room for hiring in the near future. Mm -hmm. And so... I think a lot of times we're so focused on what do I need to make that we're not thinking about what the business needs to make to be completely operational now and into the future. And so you do have to save, you do have to make a plan and budget for these things. And so I love looking at offer refinement and price, and that tends to heavily weave into uh, client experience and sales processes and things like that that can that are probably there but have an opportunity to be redefined or refined at that point. And then when someone's ready to really make that first full-time hire, I would love for people to spend more time really defining the culture that they're building ahead of that first hire. Um, and we spend a lot of time in this in our C-suite on demand program where we really help equip people with what are the training materials that are going to be essential for all staff. And it's not necessarily an SOP for a very specific um, 
person or title, but rather what are the foundational things that help define the business as a whole? And how can you utilize that to create continuity and training, but also a safe and inclusive work environment? Mm, yes. And I just want to call out, there's probably some people who are like, what's an SOP? Can you tell us what an SOP yeah, is? Yeah. So a standard operating procedure. So when you're early in your business, I guarantee you, you're just doing things when you think you need to be doing them. You probably have very little project management. As you go along, you're like, okay, I should probably write down some tasks and you start planning a little bit more about what needs to be done. When you more intentionally project manage, you may create better templates and project management structure in a actual project management software, something like Asana or Trello or Monday. And then kind of the step beyond that is creating a standard operating procedure is how do certain things in your business functionally get done? Mm. And That's valuable even if you don't have a team. It is valuable if you don't have a team. I, I think if it's a task that you do on a fairly frequent basis, a list of the tasks kind of broken into many tasks can typically be fairly sufficient. Um... If it's something you do like every six months or once a year and you're like, you're going to forget everything about how you did it the last time, I think more thorough instructions about where to log in, what the password is, what to click on, all of those things can be helpful. Mm -hmm. I think people require different training materials. And so it's really essential that you are mindful that you know, a written SOP is not going to work for everyone. Some people need on-the-job training. Some people also need you to verbally explain it. Um, Some people would like a walkthrough and then want to be watched as they do it the first time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of inclusivity that needs to be had when it comes to making sure you understand how other people learn and Mm -hmm. how you initially capture some of those SOPs may not at all be how the next person does the thing. Um, And letting go of this is the way it has to be done and being more clear on what does done look like Mm -hmm. is really essential as you scale. Yeah. What does done look like? Oh, that's so great because there's so much about, you know, I'm a mental health nerd. And immediately when I hear that, I think boundaries and I think, um, being really intentional with your time and your energy and your efforts Mm -hmm. versus spinning wheels or versus just being upset that things aren't quote unquote done to you, but they might be done to your VA. So having that uber clarity about this is the process, let's work together so that you can learn it and truly take it off my plate, right? And then what does it look like when it is actually done? Is there an approval process? Do, you know, and here's the thing too. um, It's a lot at the beginning, but after you've done it a number of times, that person is then empowered and understands how to do it without as much guidance. And so remembering this was something that was surprising to me when I hired my first team member and it was for um, podcast producing. And what was really um, 
scary to me at the beginning was I was like, oh my God, like it would just be faster if I just did it. But yeah, Abigail's laughing because she's like, yep, I know. I'm sure that's a common experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but what ended up happening was when I spent enough time with my producer, then she more and more understood, oh, this is how Kelsey likes it. And this is when it, like, this is when um, it's okay to put the episode in the um, the queue to be published, sure. right? And then after like a month, I didn't have to think about it. And it was the best freaking thing in the world. I was like, I will pay all the moolah to never have to touch the podcast again, except for the actual interviews. Yes, yeah. please. So yeah, absolutely. Well- The thing I'll add there is I think you got to be really careful about the difference between contractors and employees. So Mm. ultimately, you cannot train a contractor. You're not legally allowed to train them. If they cannot do the task without explanation from you, then you shouldn't be hiring them or or they are your unclass, your You're classifying them inappropriately and they could legally take action upon you and your business. So if you're hiring a contractor, you need to find someone who can fully do the task from start to finish without explanation. And you are simply providing your expectations and making sure that's in alignment with the service they can provide. Um, They should be billing you. They should be really clear on what their deliverables are. And ultimately, it is a contracted relationship. In an employee relationship, you can provide all the training you would like. You have way more oversight as to when someone can work. You have way more oversight into really making sure they adopt your process. In a contracted relationship, you can't say when someone can show up. Um, you don't. You can't require certain meetings unless it's in your contract when those meetings are being held. The only thing that you can really uphold is the deadline. And so you got to be careful. Like while I've seen a lot of people get by with a lot, especially in this industry, I think people are misclassifying team members all the time. And I just don't want you guys to get into legal trouble. So um, making sure you're doing it the right way is not only going to create better results because hiring a contractor that can do all the shit without you having to show them how to do it is life-changing. Yes. It's absolutely life-changing. Finding those skilled experts, especially in niche topics, can be really essential when you're starting out. Um, And then as you grow, being able to foster and mentor someone and grow them as a leader within your company as an employee is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. I love that. Yeah. And that is a distinction that I haven't really heard made, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. So how do you find these mythical creatures? Well, they're not mythical. They absolutely (laughs) do exist. And so I think it's critical that you're looking in the right places and you're also hiring at the level that is required for the type of task that you're after. Mm. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that go out and early on market themselves as a VA and they essentially want to be treated like an employee in these companies, um, but get paid a slight bit more and then they handle their own taxes. 
I think it's hairy for them and it's hairy for you. Um, going out and instead looking for some, like say growing traffic on your website is one of your huge goals for the next year. Going out and instead hiring an SEO expert who is going to have a clear set of deliverables that they provide every single month not only has a clearer line for what they can and can't do in your business, but you can also better hold them to what they said they were going to do because you know what it looks like. If you're providing the task list to the person, that's an employee. And if you're not paying them as such, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have really enjoyed utilizing communities um, for hiring contracted work or finding specialists. Also asking people who you think are peers in your field, who they've used or who they know can be really great for finding really talented work. I think the people that are best tend to be quite quiet. They're not the ones that are spending all day in Facebook groups, they're they're the ones that are busy doing their jobs because they have a pretty full roster of clients already. And yeah. so reaching out to, to friends to find those people can be really critical. I've also posted it as a job posting. Like you can still hire a contractor by putting out into the world that you want to look for a certain type of person, but they need to be, they need to have their own business. They need to handle their own billing. They need to be clear on what deliverables they're going to offer you. So, yeah, I love that. Well, Abigail, that is wrapping up the time that we have. So I would love to give you the opportunity to share like anything that you've got going on with Boss Project or your programs or freebies. Tell the people where they can find you and how you help. Absolutely. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, then I have a feeling you would enjoy my podcast. You're welcome to go listen over at the Strategy Hour, anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe, listen, leave a review. That would mean so much to me. Um, If you are in a growth phase and you're ready to get more clear on how to make your offer super profitable and set you up for future success, or perhaps you're ready to hire that first full-time team member, I strongly encourage you to head to bossproject.com slash waitlist. You can put in a few details and it's going to immediately take you to my personal calendar. So you can book a time with me and we can chat. And I'd love to hear more about where you're at and where you want to go and how Boss Project might be able to help you get there. So, um, and along the way, if you simply want to follow along with what are what we're doing, you can head over to Boss Project on Instagram. You can also click my personal um, Instagram handle in our bio and head over to Abigail Says to see what I'm up to. So I love it. And all of those links will be in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much, Abigail, for being here on Find yeah. Your Magic. I'm feeling really inspired. Um, I feel like... I, you blew my mind with the scale versus growth thing. I'm, I feel like I want to go get some um, color coded pencils and and have some fun planning some things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely differentiating the two can be really critical and helpful. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and thanks everybody for being here. Take care. All right, y'all know I'm about to ask you to subscribe to Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. It truly helps podcasters pay their teams, find better guests, and give you good content. So if you want to hear more conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship, 
be sure to subscribe to find your magic and leave us a review. Thanks for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.